you know, people don't have much of a emotional vocabulary or like a way of understanding their own emotional needs or being able to relate to somebody else emotionally. The loneliness and the lack of emotional fluency is like crazy. So yeah, I do think that like people on a social level level really do just want to be revealing to some to someone, something, I guess. I think it's I think one way to say it too is it's the unhealth of the collective social instinct. Yeah. yeah. The big hormone enneagram. I'm John Lukovich, 415, sexual self-prez, 458 traffic. I'm David Gray, self-prez sexual, 9 with one wing, 974 traffic. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self-prez, with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I'm a 3 wing 4, self-prez social, with 369 traffic. Hi, I'm Alexandra, I'm a social self-preservation, 9 wing 1, 963 traffic. If you like or hate us, make sure you go like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you leave us a review. This is Big Hormone Enneagram, and we are having just another hang conversation episode. Um, doing some plugs. Please buy my book. Please rate and review my book. Um, I think that if you want to help me out, I'm trying to figure out how to get my book into physical bookstores, mm. and... Uh, I am uh, self-published through Amazon KDP, and, and the other service is called Ingram Spark. And so Ingram is this company that has distribution all over the world. And I believe, especially for the United States, but I think it's international, that if you want to help me out and support me, I think you can ask your bookstore to order my book through Ingram. And I think it gives them a big discount. I'm, not, I'm still trying to figure out if it's actually that simple. Um, but laying it out there for listeners just to, you know, if you just want to humiliate yourself to some bookstore owner and mm-hmm. <laughs> Do it. order my book for me, uh, that would be, I mean, that's something I'm, uh, it'd be really exciting for me to see mm-hmm. my physical book totally. in a store and I'm going to get cool. my withdrawn ass out there probably tomorrow and try to do some of that. I also, uh, so just planting seeds for stuff, you know, Josh and I are with the Enneagram school. We've got that one course that's for sale. Um, but we're going to do some intro courses just to have like intro material, you know. So whether you want to get somebody that you know into the Enneagram and get them, you know, get the basics down. Uh, or if you've listened to a bunch of podcasts, but you kind of want more of an organized way of approaching and systematically getting into the Enneagram, check us out. Uh, it's probably going to be in like August, September or sometime like that. Still figuring things out. And then uh, I've talked to two friends of mine who are Egyptian about potentially having our own Egypt trip. Mm. So uh, still no dates or anything yet. Probably like 12-ish days. Uh, My friends Lena and Diana, um, they're they're Egyptian, uh, but they live in the States. And uh, they've been doing their own kind of yoga-themed Egypt retreats. Mm. And they know that I'm a huge nerd. So, you know... Uh, putting it out there for people to think about considering December or January and roughly thinking costs like $4,000, which sounds like it's a fuck of a lot because it is, but it's a good deal actually. 
um, and probably be on a boat on the Nile and other stuff like this. So, you know, think about it. Start saving money if you're interested. Um, in a few episodes, I'll probably have, like, a place to find some actual info. And then, um, yeah, that's all I got f- for me. So, all right, I'll shut the fuck up. DAA Dark Arts Academy. You want to become dangerously perceptive and skilled at seeing the types clearly. Uh, we've been looking at the sexual instinct recently, looking at uh, examples in TV and movies, and it seemed like a lot of you guys have been responding well to it and asked for more. So we've looked at, started looking at like each of the ways that the types are um, exemplifying their sexual instinct, and just it's becoming a whole thing. Um, so check that out. You can get more information at anygrammar.com. We have a Discord going uh, for members, and we have discounts and perks. Um, you can get that information at anygrammar.com. Nines. David? Mm, what do I have? <clears throat> Just to continue to listen to my voice on this podcast. <laughs> See me on DAA. I know I have a lot of diehard fans that just only like me and hate everybody else on this podcast <laughs> trifix book is always available for people that need some of my juiciness and products and they always need productivity it. oh my god David. <laughs> that's a great plug all right and i as usual as per usual you guys can find me at saturn ruled nine the number nine dot com for astrology readings where i combine your um, astrological chart with your enneagram type and help you see those sort of interweavings of both that is saturnruled9.com and uh you know josh and alexandra are having an attachment type support group uh no dates or official info yet but just keeping it keep your ears open it's just swirling yeah yeah it's gonna be for yeah, we're, we're going to be pretty exclusive about it, actually. It is going to be attachment types only. It's probably going to be a very limited. Um, we're going to keep it very limited. Um, yeah, we're thinking we're thinking August. Again, no official dates yet, but it's real juicy stuff. So just be on the lookout for that. All right. Cool. Thanks. Oh. Do we have an Enneagram thing or even just like a fun thing that's not like... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we were considering doing the uh, catfish thing. Oh yeah. I mean, why were we even talking about that? We wanted to. The reason. I mean, I brought it up at one point because I was. It came up on like uh, Facebook Watch. Do you have that guy on your on your mm-hmm, the app? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it comes yeah. up on my so. Oh yeah. <clears throat> comes up, and. Uh, I watched like a couple compilations and they, I guess the algorithm just fed me more and more. And I like a passive little baby bitch just kept my mouth open. But (laughs) what was fascinating was people would fall in love. You know, you know what catfishing is, right? David? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, people would like, you know, write into Neve and some other person like, hey, I've, I've been in love with this person for like two years. We talk every day, but they won't like Skype with me. They won't Zoom with me. They won't FaceTime. They won't anything. And uh, I've only been able to talk to him on the phone once. And but we're in love and I just want to see if they're real. So they're like, all right, let's make a meet. And sometimes it's actually a real thing. But a, oh. most of the time. Uh, someone has fallen in love with another person who's like, there's a lot of people who are like, uh, you know, like one, the one person is like straight and then the person's gay. 
mm. um, or lesbian or whatever, or, you know, it's like somebody that was just like, they would not match in real life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times when there's scams. There's a lot of times when somebody is just indulging in some kind of like, uh, like second life. Like it's like playing a mm-hmm. video game with somebody in a certain way where they're just right. like have this whole fake persona. Um, but what blew my mind about it was how people would fall in love based on really shallow nothing exchanges. Like, mm. they would sometimes show on the show, like, the kind of exchanges they have, and it would just be more like, uh, you know, it wouldn't be deep conversations. It would be stuff like, right. good morning, babe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a meeting today? You're going to kill it. You know, like, I believe wow. in you. Uh, good night, babe. You know, it was surprising, but, but also not surprising at the same time, of how, like, it was so nothing that people would just, they'd be willing to move across country or send money or whatever it was. And it just got me thinking about like um, how how shallow like most relationships are, and how little intimacy there is between people. And this show just showed me it's like such a it's so lonely, mm. you know, and just these like incredibly lonely people that very easily get hooked into doing stuff that's like pretty fucking far out that. If you're just watching, you're like, this is obviously a fake thing and you shouldn't send this nude or whatever it is. So. Yeah, it reminds me of a Tinder swindler guy. Yeah, yeah and, similar. You know, he, he was just doing a, how was your day, you know, text every morning and they would talk about themselves and it, it just didn't seem like there was much going on. But I think I started to realize that that's, that's kind of the type of low level um blank attachment that people are looking for because it doesn't pose any risk it's just like a comfortable sense of mirroring that's not actually mirroring or intimate in any way and that as long as it's happening every day though as long as it's this sense of oh we're just pinging off of each other we're not really saying anything or really connecting or really touching each other but we're just there it feels like a real connection but then people just project a whole bunch of stuff onto that person because mm-hmm. it seems like if you were actually individuating and actually sharing yourself then you wouldn't be able you wouldn't be so attachable you wouldn't be someone that people could just easily project on and the fantasy would get ruined yeah i mean you know i don't know if it's like specifically like an attachment type thing or anything mm. like that but it was just like observing some of these chats and stuff like that like things that people base like pretty immense stuff on it, you know, whether they're an attachment type or not is like pretty That's true. extraordinary. Yes. And the mm. kind of levels of um, disregard people will display about like people they're dating or whatever. Um, it's like a, yeah, I don't know how to put my mind around it, but it was, it was just really eye opening that like, it's it's a combination of what people will settle for, like what like the the bare minimum that is required to create some kind of connection in air quotes. Mm-hmm. But then also like seemingly like the lack of emotion, like you know we've talked about how there's like maybe less heart center or something like that in the population. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a part of it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. my heart center bias. But it's sure. like, um, you know, people don't have much of a emotional vocabulary or like a way of understanding their own emotional needs or 
being able to relate to somebody else emotionally. So it goes like through this like kind of side structure of mm-hmm. familiar or they're saying hi to me every morning or, or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's like the loneliness and the lack of emotional fluency is like crazy. Yeah, I think most of it comes from um, a really profound deficit that most of the world is in of connection, of affirmation, of mirroring, even just like basic attention. I feel Mm -hmm. a lot of us had, you know, our first relationships like failed us, right? Our parents like failed us. Even if they didn't, they did. Um, And then everything past that is kind of seen through the same lens of this person's going to fail me or they are and I'm, or I'm having to settle this way or they're not doing it, you know, like all the different object relations. I think that's the, the starting point of all of this is you find a person that is like in a, a, just a drought of, of connection, of seeing, of feeling like they are being, I don't know, like looked after by anybody and then immediately it's it's not necessarily just an attachment um thing i think it's more like like uh yeah if you're in a drought and you get a little bit of something it's going to seem a lot bigger to you i think it's i think one way to say it too is it's the unhealth of the collective social (laughs) instinct Yeah. yeah and and it relates into like stuff we've talked about relative to that book, Sex at Dawn, where it talks about, you know, uh, I don't know, tribes of a hundred people or so where, you know, each child has three or four or five, six uncles because mm-hmm. they don't know who the father is because <laughs> yeah. the right, woman right. has three or four, five adult, uh, male lovers or whatever. And so you have, so we were, uh, evolved to, uh, have this uh, communal thing where you're supported, you're looked after, and you've got all these different personalities too. If you think about it, you'd have you'd have the crazy uncle who's always joking around and harassing you, but it's funny, and you know what I mean. Or and you'd yeah, have the yeah. right. the nurturing person, and da 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 da, and the strong person, and the disciplined person, and all of that stuff. And and so it's really it's partly the failure of just the two parent system where everybody's Mm -hmm. in a fucking box. Nobody talks to their neighbors. You know, you have, you can only rely on, you know, the grandparents to occasionally come watch the kids or babysitter. There just isn't this active, continually, you know, birds chattering kind of nonstop communication and interaction that, that makes you feel supported and held by a whole cast of characters you know for sure yeah it's it's like uh you know like growing up in the 90s it's like i grew up before iphones were a thing mm-hmm. and just the revolution of being able to swipe and and get dates from the internet like you had to get someone's number and call them from a telephone mm-hmm. and then go meet hoping that they would show up at a certain time at a place, I mean, so there's just so many unknowns, sure. and you, so you had to actually talk to people, and so right, true, like you yeah. actually had to have communication skills and go up to a girl that you were interested in and set That's up a right. date, and so now, with I mean, all this catfish stuff is happening online. It's it's only possible because you're not face to face with somebody. You haven't seen them. You're not in a community with this person. They're not. Right. You don't know them through any sort of friends, 
And so we have all these options, but we're so isolated. We're all in our rooms, staring at our phones with no social skills. And, and so we're so hungry for connection that if someone comes along and, and is pinging you every single day, that seems really significant. But back in the day, like you actually had to get on a phone and talk to them and potentially and meet up like it, it, it like life was about doing things in real life and not just sitting at home and, you know, and on the Internet. So it's things have changed so much and it feels like um, it feels like um, we have way more options, but we're so isolated. So when someone comes along who gives us, you know, a little morsels of attention, it's yeah, it's something like this can happen. Yeah, it's sort of like a shadow flood is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to flood towards that person, and it's going to be way too fast and way too much. Yeah, I, you know, and I, like, I hear you about, like, phones versus, you know, four, but I also think, like, I mean, look at our parents, you know, like, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't develop any emotional skills at all. That's true. You know, true. Like, <laughs> any communication skills. Like, uh, just thinking about all these different parents. And, like, I'm friends with a lot of older people through the Enneagram and stuff like this. And just, like, you know, how many uh, older people just, like, you know, they have the appearance of looking older and wiser, but aren't. And <laughs> don't, yeah, don't know how to. It's, it's like a lot of uh, older people have just managed to find ways to live a life that is more isolated from things they don't want to deal with mm -hmm. you know and so uh so yeah so when we say like hey uh the thing you're posting seems like it's more more this type than that type you know it's like you are you are violent you know it's like it's like a deep violation because they're not used to any kind of friction and so mm -hmm. you know part mm -hmm. of i mean part of relationships is tension and conflict like even in any relationship, right? And so there's sort of this just er erasure of confrontation of any kind. It's like, yeah, to David's point, like, I mean, you have like a nuclear family and then, you know, if one or both parent works, there's right. just, there's not much time for the parents to relate to each other in yep. a romantic, loving way. And then much less to relate to you as another child in that system. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like, yeah, there's just, there's, I don't know. There's no relating. And didn't you say, Emika, one time that people tend to find their like long-term partnerships at work? That's the most likely way that it's, it's not even close to the second option. Most people are dating people that they met through work because that's where we spend the most in our lifetime. No. People spend the most time with their coworkers and it's a really depressing thing Super in this depressing. consumerist yeah. hellscape that we're in that people spend more time with their coworkers than they do with their partners and then they do with their family members and they do with their friends. Mm -hmm. It's well, like, if you're not working with people you like, man, what a horrible fucking life that you're mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. so, so like, you know, our, our favorite bar nearby is Doris, you know, and it's a mm -hmm. great bar, but like Alexander and I are always there joking how uh, it seems like most of the population that goes there are like, creative director blah 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 <laughs> for some boring thing yeah. that's not creative or anything like that you know there, there's like it's like a certain vibe and and mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you know jobs like select for certain people right like certain yes. value systems mm -hmm. and certain whatevers and so yeah that's like all people getting together it's just like uh yeah like of course <laughs> there's no 
there's no, no connection. Speaking of um, all these YouTube things too, like uh, there's a channel called Soft White Underbelly. Have you all seen that? What? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And Did you say soft white underbelly? Yeah. What is this about? Yeah, it is a Sounds guy dark. that go. It, he, it's a guy who interviews people, and I think he mostly focuses on Skid Row. Mm. He focuses on, like, uh, I mean, he'll just have an interview, and he barely asks any questions, and they just go off. Like, gang members, prostitutes, drug addicts, sex offenders, oh, uh, mm. people who've been preyed on sexually. Like, the darkest, worst shit you've ever heard of. And it's, mm. like, hundreds of interviews. And... Um, I mean, it is, it's like such a, like the amount of suffering and all the stuff that goes wrong in people's lives. And so like, you know, it's like basically at the bottom of like, like, so, you know, all these homeless people, right. That, and, mm-hmm. and the cities in LA and other places are trying to deal with homeless people. But the, part of how they cope with homelessness is through, through addiction, through, through, through drugs. And so they're all, there's all this addiction problem. And I think the addiction is like typically combination of uh poverty which you know equals bad childhood typically you know because the parents are unstable and then um and then uh lack of education things like this they're all like kind of the same thing but what is really shocking because they'll interview people who are like a rapist Mm. they'll interview people who are sex offenders not just the victims and the people that have done these things typically have been molested as kids wow and so that's like that's another piece of this weird like privacy nuclear family kind of situation Mm, right where you you know like the actual the lack of like kind of a publicness of things that's right i think contributes to some of this weird dark shit and it's like it's really common yeah oh yeah it's really common and it just yeah it's you know humans the closest uh primates that humans uh resemble yeah, well, that yeah, that resemble in parenting is gibbons that have like shared parenting. It's called right. alloparenting, not mm-hmm. not like chimpanzees and bonobos, which is like, you know. So it's like this communal thing is so important, and probably stops a lot of that dark shit. Yeah, you could even say that um, that the sexuality, that underbelly sexuality, is partly or possibly, you know, uh, again the lack of the social contact you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and so you're you're sort of again doing too much and sort of going at somebody to try to get connection um and intimacy and so forth because that's you don't have the tools you don't have the skills to actually do it and so it comes out sexually in in yeah like shadow sex and and a lot of these people like, I mean, it's kind of a cliche and it's not like, it's not at all to excuse it, but they did have like some kind of horrific abuse often. And so it's mm-hmm. like, that's associated, you know, like really intrinsically. And it's kind of interesting to see the responses of these people that have done horrible things where they're like either taking account of it or like sort of trying to explain it to themselves of what, where it came from. Because there is a sort of like, what is this horror in me kind of quality that's like, you know, it's, 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 it's really, I mean, it's, it's abyss black, but it's really interesting. The people who are doing the catfishing, like, what's in it for them? 
I've been wondering the same thing. I kind of think another part of this like phenomenon is that there's projection on both ends. Mm-hmm. Like you, both mm-hmm. ends are kind of like okay, the catfisher is kind of reaching into the abyss, unless they're like fully stalking this person and like fully knows them in real life or something like that. But I don't think that happens very often. Um, but the catfisher seems to be reaching into the abyss, and the person being catfished is just responding to an abyss. You know, they have like a face, I guess, on either end that they're like projecting a whole personality and like landscape into. Mm-hmm. But I think the projection piece is like really, really big and important part of how this is possible at all. Because similar in a similar vein that we talked to or we talked about with um, the Tinder swindler. You know, that guy had like he had like the image of fortune and luxury and all that kind of stuff that is like a nice juicy hook for you know certain people Um, but as far as his social component he was also very blank and very minimal and kept things very basic and i think that's an intentional part of this Mm. um because if you get too specific then that risks losing you know that that risks losing the the connection so i think the catfish almost has to be Minimal and just has to keep it like, good morning, smiley face. Mm-hmm. Ha ha, what are you doing? Ha <laughs> 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 ha. So that the person being catfish can be like, oh my God, he cares so much. Now let me give you more specifics. Well, I think also, like, or in that same line, like, a lot of the catfish, catfishers are um, unattractive mm-hmm. and are worried that, you know, they're trying to get somebody that they're attracted to, to talk to somebody they're attracted to. Okay. Want the attention from, and they can kind of imagine themselves as being the recipient of, like, if I was a desired person, this is the Mm. kind of attention I would get, and I can just pretend I can, I can play something for a while. Isn't it? That's a good point. Go ahead. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like these kind of more heartbreaking reveals, where it's like clearly like the person that the two people are very mismatched in attraction level attractiveness level um right or one's just simply not going to be into the other and the other one's afraid of rejection and or it's you know stuff like yeah maybe the attraction is a factor but like the bigger factor is you know the this woman has like a bunch of kids and you know wasn't going to get Mm-hmm. this kind of enthusiastic attention from this this particular person if she 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 believes if she revealed that she had like three kids okay i mean isn't it also partly like you know on it's roughly the equivalent partly of you know online edge lord right you're getting this feedback that you're this great something yeah that you're not and you're not having to do the work or whatever to get to some whatever status or talent level of talent or excellence or whatever mm. and you just get to be this character online and get mm. super um you know strokes and inflated from it you know what i think i've found it for myself i think let's just say catfish is like an extreme version of what a lot of people if not everyone's doing when they're date when they're dating which is you're afraid that if the other person sees you, that they're not going to like what they see. So the initial stage of a relationship generally is people sort of dancing around each other, trying to shape shift into what they think the other person's going to want. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of a feeling of 
you know, six months later, who the fuck is this person? You know, who is this person that I'm with? And so it's not just attachment types. Everyone, uh, all the types have their own version of, you know, in the early stages, um, you want someone to like you, you want someone to be attracted to you. And so you withhold information about yourself that you think would, might turn off the person. And maybe that gets revealed a few months later. Yeah, I, I think it's just uh, fear of rejection. Also, just we're so starved for connection that when someone initially gives you that attention that, you know, they're attracted to you. And on some level, you know, maybe if they find out who I really am, they're not going to be into me anymore. Um, yeah, that initial stage of I don't want to be rejected. So I'm going to mm -hmm. do and say whatever I got to do to keep this person liking me. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. And digital shit lets you keep that front up more than ever. Yeah, it's this combination of fear of rejection, I guess, and how starved we are. So the littlest crumbs, it's like this projection and then the little crumbs. It's like an interesting phenomenon because there's just so much like kind of mutual unreality happening. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it makes the. A catfish show is like so sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. There's one I'm remembering. I can't remember too much about it, but I know that the catfish ended up being this girl, the seven, um, who just used her like her friends' photos to catfish this like oh, very man. meek nine. And you know, then they meet and it's the whole thing of like, oh, you're not, you know, Mary Jane or whoever you were supposed to be. <laughs> Um, and I remember this, it was like a typical, the response was so strange because it was just a typical seven heart deadening thing right. where the, a lot of the questions was like, well, why did you do this? You know, if you're not this person, why did you, why have you been talking to me? And it was something crazy, like two years or something. Wow. Like, why have you been talking to me for the past two years? And she's like, mm, I was just bored and you were always available. And it was basically just like, um, well, that's the front of it. Right. The seven, right. of course, at, right. on the front end is saying like, oh, I was bored. I don't really care that this is like mm -hmm. about to end now because I've been discovered. But you could tell behind her voice and like behind her. Um, yeah. The I don't heart, know, just like facade. Piece, yeah. yeah. Right. That one, she's actually sad to have lost the connection now because she's revealed herself. Uh, and two, this wasn't out of boredom. Like maybe it started that way, but it became something, became like a secret access to your own revealing um, that you didn't really have to face because it wasn't in reality. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that. I'm just remembering that one. That no, was that's kind good. of interesting. Yeah, like no. How much no. badly people want to reveal themselves uh, mm -hmm. is another aspect of it. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, like all the time in the show. I used to watch it when I was in like, I can't remember when this came out, but there was like a time it was always on. Um, yeah, a big component is that they will say, I've never said that to anyone. Mm. Never said this oh, to okay. anyone. Right. You're the person I can tell. Yeah. I can be the most myself with. I've never said this to anyone in my life. So yeah, I do think that like people on a social level, level, really do just want to be revealing to some to someone, something, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I wonder how much this relates also into this like new phenomenon where people are falling in love with their chat Purpose? bot thing oh no no, no they're like ai conversationalists uh, what <laughs> yeah people are like straight up falling in love with their ai that they absolutely programmed to speak to them in a certain way and now they're like 
you know. Wait, married. what? We're getting a full, married. A full her <laughs> moment. No. I, I have to I'm process I'm a program that. Alexander. <laughs> I have to That's process true. what you just said. That's crazy. Yeah. Alexandra is just a John program. <laughs> I couldn't even watch that movie, Her, because I knew that I was going to be pissed. Yeah, it's watching exactly somebody that phenomenon. Fall in love with a computer program. Like you could go experience this with a real human and have drama and all this stupid stuff, but you're having a full on relationship with a fucking computer. Nobody better invite Emeka to an AI wedding. <laughs> He'll be so upset. He'll be so upset. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I even saw a, uh, it was like some dumb Facebook article or some, some dumb news source. It's like not credible at all. But it did say something like some girl tries to marry her AI. And of course, it's not like legally recognized, but she like had a full ceremony to like marry her. Get the fuck out of here. Get out. No way. So I think, I think AI is the new catfish, you know? Did you, did you just read a bunch of like, uh, like clickbait articles and like, that's real. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a hard time believing this. I mean, maybe it's not real, but it is, it's, it's, I, I think it's plausible just seeing how easily the catfishing worked. Maybe if you go into it fully knowing you're like full eyes opened, it can still happen. I got to look into that now because that's, I'm having a hard time believing that. But back to Alexander's point, like, uh, that she made early on about like the parental love and like kind of the the lack of it creating this this void of emotional skill and awareness and whatever like because I was thinking about myself like I had really good friendships growing up like I like surprisingly especially the more I learn about other people's friendships mm-hmm. like very like intimate and real friendships like Colleen and Mary and stuff mm-hmm. and um. But on the other hand, like I had such a drastic low self-esteem and like sense of being unattractive and, and like unwantable in a sexual instinct way that like a little bit came my way and I was like, oh, this must yeah. be really special. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That's like an interesting, like I guess I'm tying it into like instinct and I don't know, something about like the, the kinds of fears and scarcities around them. But there's something there about... um like what what we're vulnerable to yeah you know like i think that maybe maybe it's a combination of like object relation and and instinct or something but there's like a i think all of us can be vulnerable to the wrong buttons being pressed especially given our parental woundings like i um my baby sister was just in town who listens to this podcast which is pretty funny <laughs> uh, I'm sort of shy. yeah she gave us she gave she gets some pretty good feedback where she said that um that even though she knows the Enneagram really well, that often we just like go hard into deep, complex jargon. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we could mm-hmm. put a little more setup. So I was like, you know, that's pretty fair feedback. Yeah, sure. That's very consistent feedback yeah. that we get. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we were talking about the effect of growing up with my mom who has some uh, diagnosed mental illness and how, like, how that kind of distorted our um, like emotional repertoire emotional palette or something mm-hmm. um there was like certain things that were just like so like missing in that like kind of love bond way um that yeah i don't know it's like it created certain blind spots or, mm-hmm. or certain vulnerabilities or something and so that's like kind of a there's there's feel like there's a lot there to like map or like 
like get the, the contours over the flavors of how we're all kind of there's something that we're all vulnerable to i think yeah that was an important thing that when i was going through my last breakup that you and david landed on for me in terms of what i'm vulnerable to yeah uh needs that i haven't fulfilled for myself is this gaping hole that if some the right person comes along and presents themselves as nurturing those holes right. or and wounds or whatever that i'm more likely to experience an overwhelming attraction or need to get close to this person and just to identify like okay like social blind i'm not seeing myself and so someone who can show up and mirror me mirror certain parts of me that uh i have not been able to mirror myself that's an open um, door for me yeah. to exp to be really vulnerable to something and so yeah just I see like this catfish thing being like, um, I guess we're all vulnerable to something like that, where you do have some vulnerable avenue that someone can get into that you don't, you're not even aware of that if it happens, then you're going to fall really hard. And so, I mean, I, that was a big thing that I had to process. It's like, man, I fell really hard. Uh, and it's not even necessarily about that person. It's about what mm -hmm. they represented right. for me. <laughs> yeah totally 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 yeah yeah that that's good to remember like that us that that whole figuring that thing out piece you know because i mean you know like uh, like all right like being an eight right mm -hmm. like eight gets this reputation of not having any vulnerabilities or doorways yeah. right and then having like actually a big one you know oh, and yeah. like how does that work in with your eight structure um I don't know. That's like a important thing to remember. And I, I bet there's a lot of stuff we could get from kind of that neighborhood of, of things, right? Like mm -hmm. how, you know, like one of the, one other piece of that, uh, is being able to like having a recipient of your rejection offering. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Like that's mm -hmm. like candy, right? Like, Oh, I can <laughs> like, like someone needs my help. Right. You know, right. Yeah. It, yeah. There's a combination of, mm -hmm externalizing heart space and so there's like if your partner becomes this never-ending project then and they're also kind of like pulling on your heartstrings that they're the vulnerable one so it, it becomes this immediate like oh this is this is like immediately a, a link like we are locked into each other and we have like uh we have very important roles to play in each other's lives and so that's that is on the flip side, that can be a really toxic. You don't want to be needed. I don't want to be needed to that degree, but it's an immediate magnet. It's an immediate, I recognize that this is something that I have to watch out for because you can easily fall into that dynamic. And then the other one is just the emotional vulnerability of someone who can represent like the external heart and can just embody um, the missing sort of heart space that I've got going on. And that creates another magnet. Um, and then, of course, there's a social piece, too, of someone who's, like, able to mirror. So just, like, looking at all these vulnerabilities, like, oh, like, I'm having disproportionate reactions to certain things. And that's really clouding my judgment and ability to see who I'm really dealing with because I'm getting high off of my own sort of um, certain needs being met. Um, yeah, I've, I've uh, it's like it becomes a drug. It's like it becomes, like, um, I'm attracted to this person, not because I'm actually attracted to them, but because 
there it's some attachment to certain wounds childhood wounds or missing things that i didn't get as you know in my formative years and all this kind of stuff so yeah i i had to really examine that and uh look at like how do i i need to see myself i need to be mirroring myself i need to get into my heart space um i can't have that outsourced to my partner i can't have somebody show up and they do this thing and all of a sudden i'm just like i need more you know i can't that can't happen again I studied Alex, how Alexander's parents were fucked up for a year before I made my move. <laughs> Swooped right in. Mm-hmm. Alexander's been reading all Snatched these, me up. These love books. Uh, being, a, being a good social nine. Love books. Right. And, uh, I love a love book. I think that there's a lot of stuff we could actually unpack from some of these, these things. So I'm going to read one of them for something, but... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot there. I don't know, baby, if you had anything to add about that. Mm, not are those, top of my uh, head. Are those like whole episodes, probably? That I mean, probably, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Let, let me know which what book it is that you're reading. Maybe I'll read a few chapters. <laughs> um. Yeah. The one I just finished is the, that oh, yeah, I'm on a novel I, okay. now, but my mom but Eric Fromm is. It's really, really good. Yeah, he's good. It's really good. It's really yeah. concise too. It's only like 120 pages. Oh, that's so not I think bad. you guys could. I ordered it off of ABE books for four fifty. So, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah it's like it's cheap. That's the shipping plus fifty cents. So, that means cool. art of loving. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, I mean that's definitely rich, rich, rich material. I think I read um, that about thirty years ago, but I don't remember any other. Well, right now. What, what was the other love books you've been reading, baby? Um, I mean, the other main one was all about love, which we talked about once. Mm-hmm. There's like some intermittent ones in between, but a, those are the too. Is there a couple sentence synopsis you can do on <laughs> Art of Loving? Yeah, actually. Um, right. Sum it up for the seven kind of, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of poses yeah. that um, he... <laughs> shut up, David. <laughs> 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 fucking snapping at me. <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> um, his, his idea is that love is... Um, the longing to escape separation and return to union. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that our birth is basically just like a shock sure. into separation. Sure. Right, right. And that we spend the rest of our lives yeah. trying to seek union. And then he explores all, basically all the like fucked up ways that we're trying to do that. And instead of like giving a real, this is how you fix it. This is how you love it. He, this is like a spoiler, but not really. Mm. Um, he, he says like you can't you can't it's not something you could dictate to people you can't like tell someone how to love you have to find your specific style but here are components to love um here are the different kinds and here's like the bravery that you need to have in order to be engaged in it do you get a sense of it um i mean do you sort of pick up the accents of when he's that he's sort of being typological you know what I mean? Like that. There's, yeah. 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 There's definitely a whole part on, um, he, I, there, I'd have to like find my book and see where it is, but, um, there's definitely, there were definitely three main points that I was 
that I read and was like, these are the instincts right here. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, yeah. the, like sexual is obviously um, like the physical manifestation of like trying to achieve union again. And you get it for that one like orgiastic moment and then mm-hmm. you have to separate again. And that's, you know, that's obvious, but that's like the effort. Basically the, the, the whole thing was like, or what I took from it is the Enneagram itself is us trying to be, trying to find love again. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of it. And I, That's of course, used to think that the bias was that, like, love belongs to the social instinct. And I still think it does. Yeah. But Wrong. it doesn't. But it doesn't, you know? Oh, <laughs> My ego, of course, so is deep. like... <laughs> She's trying to find it. proof in these books that it belongs to the social instinct. <laughs> yeah. that she's failing miserably. <laughs> but it was a cool explanation. There was even a part that I can't remember if I attribute it to attachment or social. It felt a little similar, but of course it will for me. Um, but just like the phenomenon of trying to achieve union with through sameness, yeah. through mm. alignment, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and how that actually creates a lot more separation. Right. And that's mm. another aspect of the book that he that was I thought was really cool. It talks about all of these different efforts: the self-pres effort, the sexual effort, mm. the social effort, and how we fail it and actually achieve more separation, which is what we're trying to escape. Yeah, and part of why I was asking the question is just because I wondered if he just, you know, unconsciously not knowing the Enneagram and of course, and, and object relations and the correlation between the two, whether he might have, uh, well, just whether the whole book is sort of unconsciously about attachment types. So No, I didn't yeah, get that. Okay. It felt pretty, it felt, it felt both <clears throat> above okay. types and instincts and deeper than types mm-hmm. and instincts at the right. same time. And also, this is kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a tonal thing. He's a critic of Freud's. Like mm-hmm. a lot of his work is in response to reading Freud's. Freud's? Yeah, Freud's stuff. Freud. Yeah. And I get confused with him and Jung sometimes. But anyway, in response to reading Freud's stuff and then being like, I don't know, I don't think that's really it. So a lot of this is like a response um, to yeah. Freud's work. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean... Part of my thesis with uh, an instinct book is about how basically like our, you know, we're born, we experience our essence or whatever love with our mother and union from with our mother's body who's the source of all instinctual regulation. And we, so we so associate regulation with love and essence. And then as we learn to self-regulate, those associations go on to instinctual resources in all three instincts. Mm-hmm. From a certain point of view, the instincts are ways that we're erroneously trying to get back to, to unity. Mm. Right. I think that'd be an interesting book. I should get a copy of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, if y'all don't read it, I can just go through it and pull out like the the main bullet points to talk about because I do should, think it's still, read it still together. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be cool. All right, let's do that instead. Okay, yay. Book club. Um, book club. <laughs> Xandra's book club. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, here's bought- this other thing, totally different, totally different subject, but something that might be fun to do for everybody, and I'll, I'll pay for it. I might have to convince you guys because you're gonna think it's bullshit. But I did a one thing I did, <laughs> one thing I did in Finland um, that Callie Ornelas connected me to. Um, didn't have okay. anything to do with Finland, but uh, uh, is I got my Akashic records read. Oh, interesting! Which is, it's pretty fucking wild, what what came up there, and it'd be interesting. I mean, it'd be 
it'd be um, in a way it's uh, more I don't know closer to home than say all that Michael teaching stuff because it's mm. uh, but it's pretty wild because it gets into see this takes me on a whole other thing and another thing I wanted to get you guys into John do you know this guy Billy Carson he's like Graham Hancock no. he's he's one that does all that. He's really deep into, and he's very convincing about all the shit with the the alien influence on ancient civilizations. Uh, and he's he's very much like constantly giving you resources and backup data and stuff. And he's proved some things that now, like NASA is in concurrence with about certain things around our solar system. He's a really sharp guy. Um, anyway, where is I going with that? Uh, well, just that. That that would be another interesting topic to get into because then there's some stuff that relates to the instincts and the types and so forth because mm. he gets into like the aliens genetically modifying the whole human species. And like, so where I'm going with it is this, get this, this is the big vision here, is... Uh, is <laughs> is is that the alien the reason there's so many specifically like self-pres social nines and sixes is because that's the slave genetics right <laughs> that's that's the whole thing right there i mean it's the perfect design for to have aliens being a slave mining uh, you know, uh, whatever population for their God shit. Damn. Oh, oh yeah. yeah here we the, go. the attachment types are going to love that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go so, there. Like. Yeah. Let's go there. So it'll be a huge insult to many thousands of people. But here's <laughs> the thing, though. But there's a punchline, which is uh, the nine seven. Everything's magical and wonderful. Which is that every that the that people are waking up to this, and this guy himself. Billy Carson, I've just I've listened to now many hours of his shit. Um, he's a self-bred social six himself, probably a Bermuda, but he's like you know fully revealing this whole thing. And and I think there is, I mean I think it relates into this is whatever uh, the whole like people realizing because of the COVID thing, just how vapid the whole office thing and all that shit is so there is kind of a wake up from this whole slave mentality but the reason that it's stuck for so long is because it is in the instincts and it is in the in the six nine three you know worker bee thing wow yeah all right guys bye guys bye